just started letting go of those other opportunities so that I could get to a point where I controlled what the rate was and what the cut was. Hey, I'm Jen Ward, fractional CFO and founder of Assigned Financial Solutions. You're listening to Big Profit Small Business, where I help small business owners like you make big profits, pay themselves more, and build businesses that feed their lives instead of draining them. Today, I'm going to be answering all your money questions in plain English and show you that finances can be a comfortable topic, maybe even fun. Let's go. Welcome back to Big Profit Small Business. Today, I'm sitting down with Renee Shaw-Nutwell. She's a violinist and a Suzuki music teacher operating here locally in Hagerstown, Maryland, and the surrounding areas. I first met Renee when AFS first launched in 2020. We followed each other on Instagram, we talked, and I've been following her business ever since. I love how intentional she is about building a business that fits her life, but also staying really, really true to her passion. She's also eager to share music with any music lover of any age and encourage other music teachers that are running small business. Welcome, Renee, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I, this is a pleasure. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this so lo- for so long. I'm excited. Okay, so you are a music teacher. You have an in-home practice, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, I want to hear how you built that, how it started. What is your journey to that? Because a lot of people, I think, that have in-home businesses, we don't actually welcome people into our homes. So that's a different operation. <laughs> yes, yeah, and that has some some difficulties as we're learning, um, you know, that in-home practice is still just over a year old for me in some ways. So I started teaching back in 2011. It was, I guess, out of my childhood home. My mom graciously gave me space and it was a neighbor kid who really wanted to learn violin and apparently kept bringing his violin to the house, forgetting I was at college. (laughs) So I know. Well, and you know, he's at uh, Berkeley Conservatory now up in Boston. So he's amazing. He's great. Um, I only taught him for a few months before I passed him off. So I can't take too much credit, but um, super proud of him. That was a great <laughs> first student. And I, I kind of started with that. My mom's house, I, the college that I attended, we had a community music program. So in that sense, I was still running all of the like bookkeeping, collecting payments and things like that. But it was very like cash or check. Yeah. I'm a college student, very basic. And then as I was going through college, I realized, you know, I enjoy this one-on-one interaction, each individual student and what they want to do and having a variety of ages way more than I would enjoy a classroom. So even before I graduated, I started working at the local music and arts store, took, you know, two days a week there. So in that sense, they were taking a pay cut as a form of room rent. And I think that's a probably a more common expectation for people as they're getting started. And then as I graduated, started working for the local community music schools and started realizing that the cut that they were taking out of what I was paying was obscene. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yes. You were like, okay, I see some advantages here to maybe going out on my own. <laughs> right. So it eventually it was always still the goal. You know, I, I spread out to get my name out there, to try different things. I didn't shoot anything out of the water like right away and say, ah, that's not for me. I tried it and I made some really great um, local connections and things that way. But I'd say probably my most locations I taught at was six or seven for two year, two or three years between like 2014, 2017. 
And by 2018, I was already starting to winnow out those ones that were just taking way too much out of what my income was. I was seeing teachers go out for major medical procedures too. They couldn't afford to stay out. They went against their doctor's orders to come back to teach because they couldn't afford it. And I was like, that's, you know, I respect these teachers so much and I'm seeing them do that in their forties, fifties, sixties. That is not the life I want for me. And so um, just started letting go of those other opportunities so that I could get to a point where I controlled what the rate was and what the cut was. And I fully went on my own with the COVID pandemic, actually, um, because Is that, that, true? Was, that was the the impetus. Um, the last store that I was teaching under, they, they kind of drug their feet about allowing us to do online instruction. And they were at the time they were saying, you know, this pay is going to be taken out of yours, but you're also not allowed to find your own solution. And so also I had an impending maternity leave. I knew I had like seven more weeks mm-hmm. and I said, that's okay. That's fine. Um, we're just going to call it at the end of March, 2020. That was the last, you know, few weeks. And then my students paid me directly ever since. So these days I have the home studio. I still teach under the community music school down at Shepherd University because they've allowed us to maintain control. We give them um, a very reasonable rent there. And for what I get out of it, I think that's fair. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I am now. I'm really passionate as you were saying, like helping other music teachers to try to think a little more analytically about that, because I have seen and I they have been mentors for me in many pedagogical ways, but in a financial sense, you know, even even when now she's like starting another career, she's 72. And that's not a that's not a life I want. I'm very sorry. I love what I do. I may never fully retire because I love it. But I also don't want to be forced into that. I want options. And I want to be able to plan for me and my family. So that's my spiel. I love that. I feel like there are so many amazing things and I actually hope that somehow I can get like the SEO on this podcast to just shout this out to like all beginning music teachers who want to have like their own practice because I am sure that like when you're working for other people and you do lose that control of being able to take payments and I love how you said you were like I can't I couldn't find solutions because they wouldn't let me. That's not what we have envisioned for ourselves when we start a business or think that that's where we want to go. So did you go to college to be an actual like a classroom teacher? Yes, my degree is in music education. So at least in West Virginia, that means I have, and I have state certification through pre-K through adults. My degree was supposed to cover that whole age range and I did. There were parts I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed elementary, the general music classroom and singing solfege and the guitars and the glockenspiels. Like that was a lot of fun, but I'm even finding, I keep getting delayed, but <laughs> because of COVID actually, the training isn't available, but there, there are ways for me to do that even as a independent contractor, mm-hmm. the Suzuki method that I am trained in and certified in now for violin teaching does have general music and early childhood avenues for those same interests. And I don't need to be tied to a classroom to have that, which is just great. I think that's amazing. And like, this is just encouragement that, I mean, this translates out into all different areas. You can be an independent contractor and still do the things you love. Like (laughs) I have been able to go into the public school system. Part of my career was in the public school system. I think we've talked about that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been able to go back in and independently just teach some finance classes to kids. Really? I didn't know that. That's very cool. Yes. It's through a local organization, but I don't have to be tied to anything. They gave me a little bit of a pay and it was just really fun to use my expertise, but know that I can do this when I wish, how I wish outside of being in a classroom all day. 
I love that. So um, that's for anybody. You can still, I think, figure out what you can do and want to do, but still have this as your core and keep it your own. There's another podcast I listen to called Brilliant Balance, and they had a really great episode about things that women in business deal with and the validity of what our business is, because so much more often we have multiple things we are juggling. Um, Maybe I'm a wife, maybe I'm a mother, maybe I I am, uh, you know, very career driven, but I have these passion projects like, who knows, writing a book or something like that. And people are very quick to write it off, that it's the extra income, that it's, it's not the necessary income. You're doing it for fun. And, you know, I'm sorry, that's not, that's not how my household runs. And and I just had the conversation last night with a new student and I I think I worded it well that, you know, they, they asked very last minute, uh, we don't have the money today for lessons. And I was like, well, (laughs) Then here are, I I support a couple local scholarship and assistance programs, and I participate in a foundation that allows those things. But me individually, I do not have the ability to support a scholarship student right now because I'm supporting these other things. And because this is how I support my family, right? This is how we buy groceries. This is how we pay tuition for my daughter's daycare. So it's, it's very strange and I I don't have any good solutions on it, but I I thought that episode, it was earlier this summer that I listened to it, but I've thought about it a lot since and just how maybe it's a female problem. I don't know. (laughs) Or maybe it's like, it's a, it's very strange, right? Um, Right. Well, it is. I'm not one to be like, oh, it's just a female problem, but I feel like it's much more of a female problem. We're also probably ones that talk about it the most because it happens to us the most where our businesses aren't validated because we are saying we have some pretty firm boundaries around our time and Mm -hmm. it's because we are taking care of many other things. But I feel like it could very much be the same for a man who is still full-time work, but trying to transition over to a full-time business. I think that that could very well be, and there, and people are just kind of like, oh, well, it's just the side hobby to add income. So maybe, you know, and now here's terribleness. Like, so you can go play golf, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel real at that point. But I will 100% include that podcast episode in the show notes because I think that anytime we can share really good encouraging information about fitting your business into your life, that's great. I know most business owners that I work with, that's really all that they want. They come out of a nine to five or they come out of whatever Mm -hmm. they're doing so that they don't feel that stress and the need to be like, this is all I do every day. We want it to be fun, but we also want it to reach our goals. And my money, what I do here also contributes to our Mm -hmm. household income. Mm -hmm. And I love how you're like, I can't have any scholarship clients. Well, I also can't necessarily do work for free because that's my time. So Mm -hmm. that's 100% correct. You did handle that very well. Do you find that because you're in home and you're not in a maybe a business building that people try to take advantage of that? Like they're like, I'll pay you when I pay you. I think as far as payment goes, like I am very quick. Like the, part of me saying with this new student who's onboarding and me being right away, I can't support a scholarship student, but these are the scholarships I donate to and maybe an option for you and stuff like that. I have that conversation and I try to have it very early. I have really strict studio policies. It's communicated every month. It is due on the first. There is a late fee attached if it's not in by this time because it adds additional work with me and my bookkeeper who we should, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I try to make it part of the conversation from the very beginning. Yeah. And I haven't had too much issues with payment. What I have had a little bit of an issue with lately is people just being here. They either aren't super aware of their appointment times anymore or or feeling like they can just drop by or they forgot something and they just like literally walk into the house at later times which is not okay and so that's been you know I I think we we were talking about a little bit business is always like we're gonna try this out and see how this goes and I'm finding a year into having a home studio that the accessibility Mm -hmm. uh, to me just because I'm in my home and it's the same place that I teach doesn't mean that I'm always teaching. And so we're still working on communicating that and that, you know, if you come at random times, I may be in my pajamas and I do not want to see you. <laughs> that's exactly I think that's right. fair. That's beyond <laughs> fair. Um, my husband mentioned that to me when I started this, because I've always worked outside of the home unless I was staying at home with the kids. And I did that mm-hmm. for about six years. And when I decided that I was going to work from home, he was like, I don't know how you're going to be able to not work all of the time. And I'll tell you in the first two years I did, I worked all of the time. It was, mm-hmm. if I wasn't in my office, I was had my laptop open on a couch. And so it wasn't like the physical people had access, but it was like, they had my brain, they had my attention. And then the end of, well, middle of last year to this year when I started getting a little bit of a team together mm-hmm. and having them keep me accountable being like why in the world are you even logged on why can I see your green dot like mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think yes. the accountability of working from home you do feel like there is an urge to almost be on all the time it's like okay I can put dishes in my sink and still have my laptop open or be doing an educational listening to something but really being focused on work and then being focused on family is a talent um, that we Mm -hmm. all need to acquire if we work from home. Yeah. Add in the fact that people have access to your home during their appointments. I'm I really do think that that is a whole different, it's a whole different ballgame. So bravo to you for like building this and keeping boundaries. Because like I said, I'm not really solid with those, but if there was somebody coming to my house, you would almost have to be, and you have Mm -hmm. to feel like the enforcer of that. That's yeah, awesome. no one's gonna no one's gonna care about it more than you do I think is is kind of what it comes down to at the end of the day well, which is exactly true and people just randomly showing up shows that nobody cares they're like I really hope whatever they left was real important because it was sunglasses or one time it was airpods and the grandma was like really freaking out about the airpods no and I was like okay but that doesn't how many times have they left him at school? That's what I want to know. And did they go to the school? And <laughs> that's get probably them? why. That's probably <laughs> why they're freaking out. They're like, this is the fifth time you've lost them. But yeah, I just printed a, a communication to the studio again, like, because yeah. I have a lots of ways I communicate with them, print, talking, online, yes. um, and just always making them clear. And I think just try to make it as matter of fact as possible. I try not to, to make it about any individual incident. I just say, look, today... You came in five minutes early. I'm not upset, but you cut into X students' time. And I just, please be like a little more aware of that for yeah. next time and things like that. And it's, I think everyone's been doing really well with some of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, that makes mm-hmm. It makes so much sense. So what some of the things that you do is you really do encourage other music teachers. So I guess for business owners or specifically to other music teachers, what is kind of your best pieces of advice other than, you know, keeping your boundaries? And <laughs> let me think of like, 
it's really easy when you're especially i think if there's a teaching component and most of us in a service-based business in general we get some kind of emotional gratification out of it right we're not just in it um, unless i guess you're an engineer my my brother's a software engineer i think there's definitely a financial motivation there yes. but he still gets a an emotional personal gratification out of it so it's really hard maybe to not get emotionally involved whether that's deciding where where you're working who you're working under what kind of income you want and what is realistic for the thing that you're doing. I try to keep it very matter, just matter of fact, very clean cut and taking a step back. What would you tell someone else if someone else was telling you about their job and asking you what to do? Try to keep that in mind because when we're so close up on it and it's not, you know, this account hasn't paid their balance for this month, but we're like, no, it's this individual seven-year-old child who lights up every week when they see me. That's when it gets harder to make smart decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's always a really fine line when you're dealing with humans, but you have to boil it down to that base level of this is what I said I was going out to do there, whatever, whoever the other end of the bargain is, they're not holding it up. They're not, they're not fulfilling on what they told you they would do. And so something needs to change because eventually you will get really frustrated and things will probably either be said or done that that you're not okay with. And, you know, I'm, I'm all about prevention, I guess, <laughs> you know, yes. it's, it's like looking ahead um, yes. and, and not letting things snowball. That's really wise advice because in the beginning you do, you had said too, you were like, it's maybe seven little different locations, but then you started realizing that like, okay, I've got to narrow this down. I've got to make the decision that maybe my mentors aren't even making, but I've got to do this because this is what's right for me. Right. And you've like prevented so many different things and you got to where you, you needed to be. So I think looking at the bigger picture, removing emotional attachment, that's really hard for me because I am service, like teachers oriented. And it's just mm -hmm. like, man, if I see the need, I will dig in and try but so hard. <laughs> you want to make like cold, hard facts. So like the the first school that I taught at, I still really like a lot of the people that work there. And I, and I don't think there's any bad blood, but I, when I boiled it down to the thing, the thing that made the decision really easy for me is I, I sat down and I said, if I was working these many hours, any of the other places I was teaching at minimum, I was losing $6,000 a year working there at like, if they had been paying me individually, it would have been 10,000. Like it would depend. Cause at that time I was still working five other places. Right. So the rates right. were still a little different. And I was like, Oh my God, like, that's what I'm giving them. I'm giving them $6,000 for the benefit of what? Maybe their friendship. At this point, I've been here several years. I hope that we're still friendly and we still look out for each other. and We're still encouraging each other. And that it's not only about me working for them. Yes. And, and I think that that has borne out, you know, at the time it was really kind of awkward and I, and I felt bad, but also was like, this is what needs to happen. You had told me X rates might be possible later on. That hasn't happened in the last five years. It's time for us to part ways. And then again, that go, goes back to the, I, I wasn't like super apologetic and like, I really value our friendship and I really hope that we'll still get caught. Like, I just was like, this is where I am. And this is what you're telling me you can do. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm really sorry. And I, you know, best of luck to you, but that's not something that is going to work for my family. And I, I made that decision the fall I was getting married. And so it's, it's kind of this evolve or evolution of at the time I wanted to make connections. I wanted to see 
what the arts and music community was for our greater tri-state region of like PA, Maryland, West Virginia, Virginia kind of thing. I wanted to get my name out there and just see other people's systems because there are things that I learned there for sure about how they register students and run events that I still benefit from. But it, it was almost like the end of the line and the priority of, oh, I'm getting married. We're, we're going to buy it. Like we're going to have a house to take care of someday. We may have kids. I don't have the luxury of trying things out anymore. And I think that's okay. Which just goes back to say that to validate that we have real businesses because we have to make those hard decisions, right? That mm -hmm, wasn't, mm -hmm. that wasn't a, oh, I'm extra income. And if they want to take $10,000 and I could just throw that away. No, that is not what we have here. Um, right. And I think that, again, that fits back perfectly into how you have made your business fit your life. And I think a lot of the times we don't want to do the hard work to make our business fit our lives because mm -hmm. we're like, mm -hmm. hmm, it would be easier if it all just worked out with like a magical wand. I don't know exactly what, or just if I just put it out there, but there, it really does take a lot of work and bringing yourself up at that bird eyes view and really looking at it with mm -hmm. hard facts, which is why I love numbers because they are very much, <laughs> you can't yeah, argue right? with them. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, like yeah. that's if I was just an, uh, like a business coach or marketing or anything like that, I think I would struggle so much because I would be like, oh, it feels good. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. But for me, I'm like, no, this project led you to like negative 5% profit. This wasn't good. Here's how we do it, you know, or. Yeah. So Ooh. I love that we can dive into numbers and, and get some cold hard facts. So. Yeah. Renee, thank you so much for sharing about your journey. You are the first person that I've interviewed that doesn't have what I would call a traditional online business. You have like an in-home practice. I love that. So I'm excited. I have two questions for you. They're kind of rapid fire. So Great. first thoughts, first thoughts. I know. Um, first one is what is your favorite coffee shop order? Oh, lavender latte. Anyone who follows me, it's a lavender latte. It doesn't matter the time of year. I know. I was like... <laughs> I could almost say this one for her, actually, but I won't. Oh, do yeah. It. I'm known for it. <laughs> and then a second is, what has your business taught you the most about yourself? Oh, this isn't okay. So the Suzuki method is known for we want to raise and nurture beautiful hearts through beautiful tone, focusing and, and developing that character. And the parents, they, they talk about something called the Suzuki triangle with a parent, teacher, and the child. And it is that parent component that is just magical to me. That is why I grew up not in the Suzuki method. I grew up and I learned violin through the schools and all of that. I did not have parents who were Suzuki parents who sat down with me and listened to the music and helped me practice. That just wasn't part of how I came to music, mm -hmm. but I love facilitating that. And I think it always amazes me and touches me. It, it teaches me something about like either the kind of parent I want to be and what the end goal is when I'm working with a student and their parent and trying to make a beautiful relationship. So there, I, I've been thinking about that a lot actually this week, because I've had a lot of really good studio families lately. And I just like watch them and with their kids and they don't care how fast or slow they are. They're just delighted in their child. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's just great. So there you go. I, that's not business related at all, but that's very much like, that's where the personal mission of I'm a Suzuki teacher. Cause I love that. Yes. That's, that's why it fits for me. 
Listen, for every parent that is listening to that, you gave some phenomenal advice on what we should be doing as parents, wrapping our arms around our children, whether it's in music or sports or whatever their passions are, and just seeing them develop that and being there as a participant. Like that is my teacher heart right there. Okay. They just want our love. Yes. want our love. That's exactly right. Um, Which is why we create businesses to not fill up all of our time and give some of it to them. Um, okay. Where can we find you? Pretty much. It's, it's all Shaw strings, Shaw strings, um, S H A W strings, uh, Instagram or Facebook. And my website is shawstrings.co C O at the end. So awesome. I will post that in uh, the show notes below again. Thank you for being here, sharing your journey and some, I don't know, some parenting wisdom right there. (laughs) I, I I know you didn't expect that. I thank you so much for inviting me. This is a delight. And I, you do such a good job at like making numbers approachable. Oh, thank you. It makes me feel so much better. I'm like, oh, I have my stuff together a little bit more because I follow Jen. I I believe that and I believe you have your stuff together, but I that is my main goal is because truly a business it can run on so many different things, but one of the bigger things that makes them fail is is mm-hmm. not knowing numbers and yes. keeping your head buried in the sand until it's like <laughs> I don't have any more money. So yeah. ultimately my goal is just to make it comfortable. So thank okay. you. Yeah, no, thank you. This has Absolutely. been a delight. You've been listening to Big Profit Small Business with me, Jen Ward. Thank you for allowing me to spend a few moments in your ear. If I can ask you a favor right now, will you share this podcast with a business friend? The truth is every business struggles with finances and we want to help. And hey, if you're feeling the love, will you subscribe and leave a review? We'd love to hear from you. Want AFS to manage your business finances? Connect with us at Assigned Financial Solutions and hit the contact button. And please remember, profitable dreams are possible.